Have you ever been down to uh, the beach with your friends or family and you're out body surfing and after a, a while goes by, you look up and you say, uh, who moved our lifeguard tower? Like, where did it go? Where did our umbrella go? Like, where did it? And you realize you've been out there just having fun and you have just slowly drifted with the current, with the tide and everything. And you find yourself in a whole nother place. Uh, that, that idea of drift happens in life too, doesn't it, right? You think of ways in which uh, we find ourselves some days just kind of waking up, kind of looking up and wondering, how, how did I get here? Uh, I, I think about... Um, uh, some of us as parents with uh, young kids, the, the battle of when we're going to finally let them into having phones and into the world of social media and all that kind of stuff. And we realize there's going to be a drift for them, right? That they are going to leave this world of reality and drift into this world of, of social media reality. That isn't really the reality at all, is it? And, and, and we know that. We know that challenge that's there. Uh, I, I think about it when you're in your 20s. I remember when I was in my 20s, man, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to rule the world. And then you get to your 30s and you realize none of that's going to happen. You become cynical and you're just trying to exist, right? Uh, or maybe sometimes you look up and you think, gosh, I, I mean, as much as I love being married, I kind of miss dating. Like when we were dating, like we kind of pursued each other. It was kind of fun. It, what, is, there, is, that, is that too close to home right there? You know, even, I think it's really interesting, I'm, I'm uh, seeing a, a bunch of friends who are starting to get close to retirement or retiring, and I, and I love the phrase that I, I hear in a lot of folks here at Beach Point, that I'm not retiring, I'm repurposing, and then you kind of look up and go, actually, I'm just playing a lot of golf, I'm just kind of, we're just kind of, tra- like, you realize, I thought I was going to have all this energy to do these new things, exciting things, but we're just kind of existing, and so drift happens, drift in, in life, and we got to figure that out. Sometimes drift, drift just kind of happens, we just kind of wake up, and this kind of pull, this current that's pulling us along. Other times, we, we realize, if we we're honest, we're in these difficult places because we've been aiming at the wrong target all along. Now, there's a lesson to be learned from the 2004 Olympics, uh, 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 Matthew Emmons, uh, he was competing in this uh, event, uh, 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 shooting, uh, where he had to shoot from his belly, then on his knees, then from the, uh, the standing. He had first place locked up, gold medal locked up, his final shot, he ba- basically just needed a mediocre shot to win. The problem was when he raised up, he found his target, he aimed, he pulled the trigger, he was aiming at the wrong target. He was in lane three, he aimed at lane two, and even though he hit the bullseye, he hit the wrong target. And, and this is where many of us are, right? We realize that we're as hard as we're working, and as much as we're focusing, we are aiming at the wrong target. And we are looking up and saying, how did I get to this place? And, and this is important because I think for many of us, we, we know this is true of our spiritual lives as well. It's not just true of, of all the different aspects of our life, but certainly we know this to be true of our spiritual lives, that we can drift we can aim at the wrong target. We can, we can miss it in our spiritual lives. We saw last week uh, that here's, here's the disciples of Jesus. They have lived with him for three years. They have, they have had unique teaching and unique experience, miracles. And every single one of them deserts him. One betrays him. One denies him. I mean, if they can do it, we certainly can do it. And what we saw last week were some important uh, principles. Uh, we saw that you're never too far away to find your way back to God. 
And what we saw in, in them is something we have to admit with us is that many of us are going to experience this kind of need to find our way back to God over and over again. This is going to happen in life. And when we find ourselves drifting, we need to catch ourselves. We need to get out of the water. We kind of need to take the steps, move to the right place. And so uh, uh, that's what a lot of uh, folks were doing last week. It was really fascinating. We had a, an awesome weekend last weekend. Good Friday, as Justin was saying. I mean, it was packed. We were literally pulling boxes of chairs out to create more chairs for people. Uh, uh, the services were packed. We had 1,500 people here. We had 80 people in overflow. I mean, it was just, it was full. But that's not the big thing. I mean, the big thing that was so exciting was to see the responses. Uh, a number of you were responding that you were finding your way back to God. Many of you who are committing your life to, to Jesus Christ. Many of you who are uh, talking about wanting to be baptized. And it's exciting to see that happening. We want to continue in that. In fact, this uh, series that we're doing called Awakening is about trying to discover these unique ways God awaken us, awakens us to, to different things that he wants us to see. And today we're going to see two things that God wants to awaken us to as we go through this. Uh, but let me give you a big idea because it, this big idea will help us kind of understand this spiritual drift uh, that we experience. But if we want to avoid spiritual drift, we need to awaken to God's leading. We need to awaken to God's leading. And we're going to see this, that there's this unique way as we go into this story that we're going to experience this. I love this quote. Uh, that You can put that back on, Kelly. This quote uh, from Augustine that he says, You made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Uh, there's this drift in our hearts until we learn to anchor it in God and God alone. And so if we're going to avoid spiritual drift, we have to awaken to his leading. And so this morning, what we're going to see is uh, a story, and we're going to see this over the next five weeks. Different people who are being awakened by God to a reality of how to, lead, to, to trust him, how to walk with him, how to live a life with him. So let me invite you to turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And Acts chapter 8 uh, we get a chance to see kind of the beginnings of what happened after Easter, after that first Easter. And so uh, uh, as we saw last week, uh, Jesus, after his crucifixion, uh, he, they, the tomb was empty. He had risen. And for 40 days, the risen Jesus continued to meet with his disciples, training them. It goes all the way up to Acts 1, where we see this final uh, moment before he ascends back into heaven. He says to his disciples, that those that are following him, you're going to be my witnesses. I'm, I'm trusting you. I'm putting this on, on you, and I know you can do it. And he tells them, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, this, this kind of region they're in right there, and then they're going to expand out to Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And that's exactly what the church did. They continued to share everywhere they went. They, they proclaimed the resurrection. Uh, they talked about this, and they called people to repent, to believe, uh, and to follow Jesus, to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there were amazing things that were happening. The very first sermon preached, 2,000 people come to faith, and another sermon, and uh, another few thousands. And it's saying, uh, as we begin to read these first chapters, we're seeing that God is adding to their number every day. There's a powerful movement of God. 
And as the church grows, you can expect what happens when a church grows. It gets beyond the leader's capacity to, to handle it all. They're, they're kind of falling behind. They're not taking care of the people that need to be taken care of. And so they raise up some leaders. They, they, they choose these seven men that are going to help lead with them. And we see this, the, that all of a sudden, once again, the church begins to grow and expand. Uh, but as the church is growing and expanding, they, they come against a, a fierce opponent. Uh, his name is Saul of Tarsus, and Saul's uh, sole mission of his life is to destroy the church. He sees this as an attack on God himself, and he makes it his personal mission to take down the church. He begins to arrest people, dragging them away, even watching over their, their uh, murder. And so we see this man come, and this persecution comes, and as a result of this, this uh, devastating persecution, the church begins to expand. So remember Jesus said it's going to start in Jerusalem and then it's going to expand into Judea and Samaria. And the, and the truth is it didn't expand into Judea and Samaria until this persecution came. But one of those leaders that was raised up was a man named Philip. And Philip goes into Samaria and he begins to proclaim Jesus risen from the dead and the gospel, the good news of what God is doing in the world through Jesus and the Samaritans believe. There's such a powerful work. There's miracles. There's, there's lives being changed. There, there is just this, such a powerful movement of God uh, we see in the beginning of chapter eight that even Peter and John, these, these kind of core apostles, core disciples of Jesus, they go up to Samaria and, and kind of uh, join in the work. But something really fascinating happens to Philip. And this is where we begin. Uh, Page 1099 on the Bibles in front of you. Verse 26 says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandike, which means queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet and the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now I want to stop there for a second because there's just a, a, a great thing. We've been singing about God's spirit among us and welcoming the spirit among us and I want you to see something very important that we start to see in these first verses and that is this, that when you do life with Jesus, you do life with Jesus. And so if there's, a, there's a, maybe a thinking in your head that you're going to kind of meet Jesus when you come here and you see him uh, for an hour on Sundays, kind of like going to you know, a, a friend's house or a relative's house, and then you're going to go on your way and do your life, you're, you're missing what life with Jesus now looks like. He is not just here. He is dwelling within you now as his follower, as his believer, that when you come to faith, he dwells within you. His spirit is in you. And so when we're singing and asking God's spirit to move, uh, the spirit of God is, is among us. It's, it is within us. God is, we, we're asking God to do something in our very lives. And it's important that we kind of watch the unique way the spirit is working uh, in the midst of this. We see this in Philip, don't we? We see the way that he's responding and watch what happens when we let God lead us. Uh, the next verse, it says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. 
And this is the passage of scripture that he was reading. He was led like a sheep to slaughter. And as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So in this moment, we see what this whole kind of divine appointment is for. God has kind of been preparing this kind of special encounter between this this one uh, Ethiopian uh, official and Philip, this dynamic leader. They meet in the middle of the desert, but we see a a, a very, here's the, the, uh, I think, uh, first awakening we want to see is this that uh that there's an awakening to jesus and not just to spirituality that there's we need to awaken to jesus and not just spirituality so we see this in the ethiopian man right that he's this official he's coming from a place where uh his 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 religion would have been probably something maybe uh some kind of ancestor worship some kind of pagan ritual but he he's obviously longing for something more because he's converted to judaism and this is significant because for him, being a eunuch, he would not be really brought into a son of the covenant. But, but he has means, he has influence, because somehow, so he's traveled all the way to Jerusalem to probably celebrate with one of the festivals. He's come to worship. He's longing for something, an encounter with God. And he has a scroll. He has a, a piece of scripture. You, you can't get this. So somehow he's used his influence. Somehow he's used his, his vast financial means. He's reading this scripture, and it would have been normal to read it out loud. He's reading this, and he can't quite grasp what it all is. And we see something in him that he's spiritual, but not satisfied, interested, but confused. He's putting in the effort, but he's coming up empty. He, he wants to connect with God, but he just doesn't know quite how. And this is where Philip comes in. And notice what Philip does. Philip comes and begins to point him to what? He points him to Jesus. And it says that what Philip did is starting with that scripture, he began to tell the whole story of God. He began to kind of uh, uh, help him understand, here's the big God story And here's how God was working and how his son Jesus came into the world. And this is an important scripture. This is a scripture he's looking at and and many of the scholars were trying to figure out who is this? Who is this talking to? Because they thought someone would come, a Messiah would come and be this conquering hero. There was never a thought that someone would come and be a suffering servant. And so Philip is able to show just as the sermons before him, He's doing the same thing that Jesus did with his disciples when he opened their minds so they can understand the whole story of God and understand it with him in it. And as Peter began all the sermons, but what we see is at the very core of the story is God's work to bring us to himself through his son Jesus. And so we see this awakening. The awakening that has to happen first in our lives is this awakening to Jesus. And this is where maybe some of you are at, where some of you are realizing that you you. You want something spiritual to happen in your life, but you're, 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 you feel the drift. You're, not, you're kind of like this, same, uh, this, this Ethiopian official. You're kind of trying. You're going through the motions, but you don't seem to be able to get it. And notice what Philip does. He draws us right to Jesus, and this is what we need to see. We need to awaken to Jesus and what he's done for us and the life he wants to have in us 
and not just to spiritual things. It's, it's uh, very precise. Now, the response to the sermons that, that were preached up to this point and, and the instructions of Jesus were to make disciples, uh, invite people to become followers of him, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to teach them to obey everything that he had commanded. And Jesus said, I'll be with you in this. And so here he's learning about this whole thing. And so uh, we could assume the same thing, that as Philip gets to it, as he shares the whole story, he helps the man understand. Now, here's what God has done. Here's what God is asking for. Repent. Stop the way you're going. Stop just chasing all these spiritual things. Turn to Jesus and be baptized in his name. And this is what he calls him to. And there's something very important. So as we see this, this awakening to Jesus, I want to draw your attention to one of the the, the lines in this that I think is important for us at Beach Point as well. As you catch this line, he asks the question, do you understand what you're reading? And I think this is a good question for us to ask and pause and kind of catch ourselves right now and say, hey, how about you? How are you feeling? Do you understand what you're reading? I'm guessing many of you have done like I did. When the first time I tried to read the Bible, I picked it up like any other book. I started at page one. It made a lot of sense. I've heard of Adam and Eve, and then I got really lost really quick and put it away, right? Even now, if you've been coming to church, you still look at this and go, this is a hard thing to navigate in part because it is not a book. It's, it's one God story over 1,500 years, written 66 different books put together. I mean, it's fascinating the way that God, the whole story has come together. But this isn't a book of stories. It does have stories, but all these stories are telling one grand story. And I want to tell you, if you're struggling with this, I want to, I want to give you a couple of things to, to help you. Uh, uh, maybe one of the best ways to help you is to think of it this way. Do you remember uh, a few years back when Home Depot began, they started with this ad campaign. They said this. They said, you can do it. We can help. And the idea was, most things around your house, you can actually fix. You don't have to hire someone. Come into Home Depot. We'll show you what, what, where you get started, what you need to get, and, and you can go home and you can do this. Now, if it's, if it's too big for you, we'll help you find an expert. So sometimes there are big things that are just too big for you, but most of the things you can do, let us help you. And I want to offer the same thing to you. I, I, I want to say from our, our staff, uh, uh, our pastoral staff, we want to help you. Uh, so one of the things that we have done is this. There is a journal. It's in the, the back, and we encourage you to do what's called SOAP. So every day, uh, in your bulletin, every week, there's five passages of scriptures. We're coaching you. We're asking you, read these five passages. It'll help you get ready for Sunday, okay? Being here is important because it's a time for us to teach and train and, and worship together, but it's a way for us to help you. Uh, the same is true with, I think, our, we do all these uh, faith at home exercises. Uh, Amy, Justin, Brandon, uh, they do an amazing job trying to help you as parents to train and to develop uh, your kids as followers of Jesus. And, and I want you to just have this mindset. You can do it, okay? We're here to help you. So if you're struggling with it, if you need some coaching, just kind of see one of us with our little orange apron and, uh, and come up to us and say, help me, how do I do this? How do I talk about this with my kids? How do I navigate the Bible? We will help you. So what we do is we, we encourage you to do something called SOAP, which is to look at those passages. So there's the, um, the app has it and the, and the bulletin has it. Look at those five passages. Take some time. And the goal isn't for, to, for you to rush through the Bible. 
Our goal here is for the Bible to get through you. And it's going to take time. And so it's a slow process, but it's, it's a simmering process where we know God will build his, his word in your life. And like the Ethiopian, you will have this, this moment where, of these moments of clarity where you understand what it is that God wants for you. But it requires a little bit of obedience every day. Well, watch how the passage continues because it gets, I think, really exciting. It says that the, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Here's the second awakening, and I think we see it both in the Ethiopian and in Philip. And I think it's really important for us today. The second awakening that happens is that we awaken to obedience. To obedience. So if you want to see your spiritual life grow, you cannot just hear God speak to you. You have to do what he says. This is how love is shown, is not in just hearing from him, but, but, but love demonstrates itself in obedience. And, and notice, I want you to see something. Notice first the, the Ethiopian. He's hearing everything, and, and he hears he has to repent. He hears he has to baptize, so he's coming along. There's water. What's stopping us? Stop. Immediately they go down. Philip uh, knows that his, his decision is right and true. Philip baptizes him. And I want you to, did you notice the phrase, the words that followed it? I think you should circle it in your Bible. It says that he went away rejoicing. He went away rejoicing. What comes with obedience? Joy. If you want to experience the joy of a life with Jesus, you have to hear him and you have to obey him. He is not interested in, in ruining your life. He wants to fill your life with joy, his joy, his life. And so we see this. We see a response that happens. Uh, we end every service uh, with a chance to respond, an encouragement of what has God been saying? What do you think you should do as a result of it? We want what we say on Sunday to matter to you on Monday. And we're going to talk about this in just a few moments. We see this in the Ethiopian, but I want you to, have you, did you notice with Philip how crazy this journey has been? Uh, here's the reason why we don't change. This is, it, it's, it's so simple, yet it, 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 it needs to be said. Here's the reason why we drift. Here's the reason why we don't experience change. Because if you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. Isn't that true? Uh, we keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different result, right? The, the, the definition of insanity. You keep cooking with the same recipe, expecting it going to taste different. It's not. And we keep doing the same thing in life over and over again, expecting a different result. If you keep doing what you're doing, you'll keep getting what you're getting. And here, notice there's a response, there's obedience, there's a willingness to do what God is asking them to do to change the course of where they are. Let's not miss what happens with Philip. Did you think about this? Here's Philip. He's in Samaria, and it's going like gangbusters. It is working. 
The people are coming to faith. There's just lives being changed. They're being baptized. There's miracles. There's, I mean, it's just everything you would want if you're a pastor, if you're a ministry leader. I mean, everything you want. Everything is working. Everything is growing. Here come Peter and John, and they're like, wow, look at this. This is awesome. And in the midst of all the success, the Spirit of God comes. The angel says to him, go to the road. Yes, that road, that desert road, that road in the middle of nowhere, that's where God wants you next. You're like, wait, what? That's not strategic. That does not make any sense. And you start to think all around it. There's no way this could be from God because why would God pull me out of a strategic uh, uh, time of ministry? Yet this is what he says to Philip. And notice, everything about Philip is God calls and he listens. He responds. And he goes uh, about 50 miles to the southeast to this Gaza road. It's, it, he's in the middle of nowhere. But he doesn't question it. He doesn't doubt it. He just goes. And then God puts this kind of divine encounter in play. And he can see why he's there, and he's there because God cares just as much about one Ethiopian official as he does for crowds of people. He's brought Philip for this one person, this one moment. And then you see even the, 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 as the story ends, what happens again? The Spirit snatches him away is what it literally says. The Spirit says, it's time to go, and he goes. And we don't actually read about Philip again until it's about 20 years later. Actually, both of his daughters are prophets, prophetesses, uh, which seems to say there's something very good about family development. If you want to see your family grow up in, in the Lord, obey when God's calling. But I want you to try to put yourself in that situation. Imagine yourself in, in Philip's sandals. Things are all going well. Things are, are, are working out. And God whispers to you. God, the Spirit leads you. What would you do? How would you respond? I mean, Philip is the opposite of drifting, isn't he? God's setting up this meeting and he trusts him. Are you willing to go where God leads? Think of it this way. Your business is doing great. Profits have never been higher. But you sense a whisper in your heart. The promotion just needs your signature, but there's a tug. You sense that God's got something. You can't quite put your finger on it. Your plans for the future seem to be in cement, but then you hear a call. The kids are finally out of the house. We can now do whatever we want. But then God presents an opportunity that you weren't expecting. How will you respond when God calls? And Philip is someone we look at and we go, wow. There's something about the way he responds that if I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to pay attention to. Because God is changing the world through people like this. So I said, when we end the service, when we come to the end of the service, we, we have a time of response. So I, I want to have a time of response. I want you to think about these kind of 
these two awakenings. The first, we said we, you have to awaken to Jesus, and I, wanna, I want you to think, uh, for some of you, you're trying to find your way back to God, so how is Jesus calling you back to him? Uh, maybe you are, maybe you're here and you're saying, like, I'm trying to figure out spiritual things. I'm trying to figure out how to be with God, and, and I'm, I'm learning this. Here's Jesus' words. He said this. He said, if you want to find the way to God, you want to find the way back to God, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You find your way to God through me. And so Jesus calls us to put our faith in him and trust him. And if you've never done that before, I want to encourage you this morning. This is who we are at Beach Point. We're people who have, uh, are becoming authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you to join with us to place your faith in him. Because what happens, what we read in the book of Acts is that when people repented, when they stopped the way they were going, they turned and began to follow Jesus, they put their faith in him. Peter said this, he would say, say that he will wash away your sins, that times of refreshing will come. He will fill you with his spirit and you won't live a life uh, apart from God anymore. You will live a life with him, what you were always created for. He will dwell within you. So is Jesus calling you back to himself? Maybe some of you need to get baptized. Are you ready to be baptized? And, and uh, we have a baptism happening next service. We have a bunch that are coming up. We have a ton for the beach in September. But I want to say, some of you, uh, uh, you have not taken this step. And, and faith is deeply personal. I get it. But I want you to understand something. Faith was never meant to be private. And so baptism is the chance for you to publicly confess your faith. Is a chance for you to publicly say you are a follower of Jesus. And if you've never done that, what I find people all the time is they're waiting for this perfect moment when all of life is going to make sense and they're, they're going to be done sinning. That's not coming, okay? You're going to live life with Jesus and what you're saying is from this moment on, my old life is dead and buried and as I come up out of the water, this is who I, I want to be. My sins I know are now washed away, they're forgiven. But the life I now live is a life of following him. If you have not made that commitment, I want to encourage you on the, on the uh, connect cards right in front of you. You can write down a baptism. You can put it in the buckets or you can email one of us or reach out to our office. If you're ready to be baptized, you don't have verse 37 in your Bible. Uh, it was probably added somewhere along the line by some well-meaning scribe. Uh, but, but it captures, I think, what the scribe wanted. They were trying to figure out how did they go from uh, reading this to baptism so quick. And so verse 37, uh, some manuscripts include these words. Philip said, he said, Why can, you know, can I be baptized? And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It may not be actual scripture, but it is right on. If you believe if you're ready to follow him, then come. Come with us. I, I want to encourage you. So we talked about drifting. We talked about awakening to Jesus, but we also wanted to talk about obedience. And I, I want, to, want you to think about this. How have you drifted? Where do you feel the drift? Where do you feel it? In marriage, in career, in future? I mean, where do you feel the sense that something is off? I want to encourage you, share that with your life group. Share it with a pastor. Share it with someone at the end of the service that's up here to pray and ask them to pray with you. But, but I want you to think about this. What step of obedience do you need to take? 
You can't just keep drifting down the coast. At some point, you need to take the step to get out of the water and move back to where you need to go. It requires a step of obedience. What is that step? See, uh, for some of us, what's helpful, here's, here, let me give you two things to think about. For some of us, uh, it, what's helpful is to think of this. It's called a flywheel. And you see all the little spokes and the lesson of the flywheel was made famous by um, Jim Collins in his book, Good to Great. And he basically said this, no, there, there's nothing that moves from good to great in one single big move. It really is a lot of small decisions that just kind of keep working together. Tick, 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 tick. They're all working together. You make a good decision today and then a good decision tomorrow and a good decision the next day. And you're just kind of putting them all together. And like a flywheel, it starts to create some momentum. So what's the good decision you need to make today? What's the good decision you need to, to make? What's this step of obedience that God is asking you to take that you say, I hear you, and I'll do it? How many of you have ever uh, been up to the Redwoods? Any of you guys got a bit of chance to see it? How many of you ever driven your car through a Redwood tree? Have you, have you guys got a chance to do this? It's kind of fun, right? So, these are the world's tallest trees, so big you can drive, a car, literally, you can drive your car through so think of these colossal, massive, humongous trees. If you want, did you know you could actually uh, buy the seeds on Amazon to grow one in your backyard? I don't recommend it. it probably, you'll probably get in trouble with the city. But try to imagine a tree so big that you could drive your car through what the seeds of that tree would look like. And so uh, we bought them on Amazon. This is what the seed looks like. I can't, you can barely even see it, right? This is what the seeds of those giant trees begin as. The, the giant tree of faith begins with a tiny seed of faith. It begins with a single moment. It begins with these tiny little things that we decide and we hear God say, hey, trust me. Just trust me on this. And we see this with Philip. He does it, a seed of faith, and a, and a world change. Now, tradition tells us that this Ethiopian was, was the one who kind of opened up northern Africa to the gospel. Kind of a fascinating thing to think about. And so I want to I give us our own opportunity, kind of, uh, I want to invite, I'm going I'm to give you kind of a, a crazy ask. So seven and a half years ago, uh, we were working in the Philippines with this group that was translating the Bible for the Aita people. And we, as we were working with them, they said, um, is there any way you could ask your church if someone would be willing to move here and be a homeschool teacher? It will help us do the translation project. And I said, that's just crazy. No one will do it, but I'll ask. And so at the end of the service, honestly, with about smaller than those seeds of faith, I said, and if anyone would be willing, we need a homeschool teacher to move to the Philippines for a year. And we prayed, and out of that came a woman. Her name's Tammy Armstrong. I was going to show you a photo of her. I have a photo of her right here. Tammy now lives in Chad, and she's helping on a team reaching an unreached people group. She's become a lifelong missionary, and it all started from that little moment of faith, but actually Tammy's right here. She took a red eye to be here, so she's right here. So Tammy reached out to us, and she said, this is crazy, but our team needs a homeschool teacher, someone that would be willing to move to Chad, the desert road, and live here for a year. We also need a nanny, 
someone who would give one year to be with kids. They have kids that are, if I get it right, Tammy, seven, five, three, two, and one. There's five, there's a whole team. Uh, so we have these, these kids. We need someone that would be willing to move and be a homeschool teacher, teach, teach which grades? Second and First and second grade, and they have curriculum and stuff, and then someone who'll be a nanny for the little ones. And we're just throwing it out there. Maybe God is saying to one of you, hey, trust me. Come with me to the desert road and be a part of this. Maybe you're supposed to be part of this team. Here's the team uh, we have right here. Maybe you're supposed to be a part of this team for one year. Or longer. longer. (laughs) Let's just get them for a year right now. Did you ever think that saying yes for one year would get you to where you are? And would you ever trade it? Yeah. And so the band's going to lead us in these final songs, uh, and I just want to place that out there. What step is Jesus calling you to? And maybe you just need to think through this, and maybe you just need to talk to Tammy on the patio afterwards. Maybe you need to pray with someone here as we sing these final songs. But what step is he calling you to? Let's pray. Lord, we're asking that you give us faith, but now specifically we ask that you give us faith in the ways that you are calling us. Uh, It may be the desert road of Chad. It may be the desert road of dealing with uh, a, a difficult relationship or intercepting kind of the drift of our career. Lord, whatever it is, uh, bring it to our attention. Show us the next step, the seed uh, of faith that we need to have. We pray in your name. Amen.